one week in on this 2015-2016 high school basketball season, and you're right where you need to be. Listening to the No Shot Clock podcast, I'm Joe Henriksen of the City Suburban Hoops Report, and with me is Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times. Before we get into the No Shot Clock podcast episode number 26, we do encourage you to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That's a big help to us, and the podcast is also available for you to listen on Podbean and Stitcher Radio. Today we're going to take a look back at that Thanksgiving tournament week that we just wrapped up. We're also going to take a sneak peek at the upcoming Chicago Elite Classic this weekend at the UIC Pavilion. We're going to take a real quick look again at the top 25 and how much that's changed already in one week. And as always, we're going to take a few of your questions. And Mike, uh, I mean, week one of three more months to go, but what did we learn? <laughs> uh, I learned that unless I see it for myself, I know nothing. Um, yeah, it, it was wild. Um, I guess my biggest takeaways, my first one was, uh, I guess, team-wise, and it happened as soon as they walked out on the court, Farragut. Holy moly. They are just huge. You know, they've only got one, like, you know, guy over 6'7", who is man-sized and 260 pounds, but ev- all of their players, you know, they remind me of, like the Joliet teams from the early 2000s. <laughs> uh-huh. Some of the Simeon teams, they just have these bodies that are just, they're like big, big men. <laughs> and it is, uh, it's pretty impressive. And then they went out and they played a lot more under control than uh, Farragut teams have the last few years. And yeah, they're going to be a force this season, I think. I just, you never know. Some of these public league teams, you don't know what you're going to get. Until the season starts, and and Farragut seems to be, you know, they've had their share of good players, obviously, but they are a program that you're not sure who's going to be on the floor when that season opener starts, and that's one of those teams. Um, you know, for me, I guess I looked at more. Well, Farragut's in this boat too, but teams that were not ranked, teams we barely even talked about in our trilogy preview that really opened eyes. And to me, those two teams, and I know, I know you talked a little bit about it or, or I followed you on Twitter a little bit, Homewood Flossmore and Bennett Academy. You know, I, I do this top 65, which opens myself up to every single person in the world being mad that they're not included. But, you know, both of those were in the top 65, but lower on those rankings, HF in the 50s, I think Bennett was 35. And again, it's early. It's just one weekend, but... Bennett Academy went through a really tough tournament and went 4-0. Uh, it wasn't filled with ranked teams, but it was a very solid, competitive field, good coaches. And then HF went 3-1 and in a very good uh, Thanksgiving tournament. So those two teams kind of opened my eyes. Will they stay in the top 25 all year? I don't know. But right now, those two teams for opening week were, were very impressive. Yeah, HF definitely was. And, you know, we should mention they, they lost their opener to TF South. And right. I have to say that the TF South-Thornwood game I watched, I'm sorry, but TF South, I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw a decent team just kind of lay down like that. It was embarrassing to me. That team needs to really – it's early in the season, but a bit of a gut check. It was just constant layup after layup for Thornwood, just not getting back on defense. 
Um, I really saw Brandon Johnson play well, you know, for the first time. The first time I've seen that, I was impressed with him. But overall, that team, I don't know what was up with them that night, but it was not a good performance. It was kind of amazing for me to imagine them knocking off Holman Flossmore, you know, uh, two nights before. Um, I think we're going to have plenty of good South Suburban teams this year. I think the they're not necessarily that much better than they have been the last couple of years, but the rest of the area has definitely, I think, gone down below their level. Well, and, and I wrote a little bit about a piece yesterday that you can find online. Just the South Suburbs, there, there isn't a dominant team down there. You know, will one emerge maybe, but there are, there are six, seven, eight teams, and, and we saw it. I mean, TF South, you mentioned beat HF. Marion Catholic beat TF South. HF beat Marion Catholic. So, I mean, there was a lot of that going on. And, and again, it, it is so early, Mike. I, I'm not a big thanksgiving tournament guy I'm, I, I get excited that the season starts but then i kind of go to the games and now mary catholic the bloom tournament had a little bit of atmosphere some decent crowds i went out there opening night but um it, it, it's just it's ugly basketball mike i mean I, I i i don't think you can take a whole lot of stock into this first week of the season yeah, it was the HF Marion Catholic game was pretty good. It was sold out, played at a pretty high level. But yeah, you saw a lot of ugly stuff for sure. I mean, I should mention I left out my Farragut stuff. Sorry, I didn't have a lot of time to prepare for this podcast. Everybody, it was a wild weekend. Um, Farragut's lost. They lost the first game of the season to Rockford Auburn, but apparently they only had one of their starters. Um, Dulan Scott, their best player, but everybody else, th- they had an issue with public league eligibility sheets not being filed. So Wolf said he literally had to find some guys to play in that game. Um, Dulan Scott told me after the uh, win over Cremoni that he got really, really tired because he basically had to do everything against Auburn. So I don't know if we can wipe that one clear, but um, at least th- they had a reason for that opening loss. So that's why they're 4-1 um, and one now. Um, you know, you look at the public league, Mike, I mean, how... I have not I've not come to the conclusion whether it's good, bad, doesn't matter if teams don't play in Thanksgiving tournaments. Simeon never has, Whitney Young never does, um Curie doesn't. I don't think Kenwood ever has really. Well, at least recently here. So I mean, but you look at teams like Vocational went four and Hyde Park went four and um Uplift went five and I I don't know if it matters. But it, it is a – it's just something that the public league does that really nobody else does. And a lot of it is because they want I, – I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on them, the high pro – because I, I look at it like this. Whitney Young plays Simeon this Friday, Saturday night, and it's their first game. And everybody knows what first games are usually like, not all the time, but typically – is what we saw, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. Just some ugly, sloppy play. And I just wonder if, you know, get some games under your belt. I know a lot of those programs don't want to mess around with Thanksgiving tournaments because they have high-profile events they want to get to and go to throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, I think that seems to be it. It was interesting. There is one suburban team that has joined this. I don't know if you noticed. Uh, when I was looking at their schedule, doing the schedules a month ago, I thought it was their schedule wasn't right. I didn't believe it. But it turns out it was. Joliet Catholic has not played yet. Um, I think, and they're waiting until December. I don't know why. I don't know why Joe Gura made that decision, but I thought that was interesting. Um, there used to be, and this just you brought, jogs my memory because you said Joliet Catholic, there were several schools a while, like a decade or two ago, that regularly didn't schedule Thanksgiving tournaments because they're football programs. 
uh, were always oh, advancing yeah. deep into tournaments. And I have no idea if that's Julia Catholic's logic behind it, but I just thought of that as I thought of a football program powerhouse like Julia Catholic. That makes total sense. I would not doubt at all if that was part of it. Um, all right, next. Uh, oh, I guess I, my thoughts on that are I think it's it's good for a lot of these public league teams to make sure they get out and play some different types of basketball. You know, like if you look where, up, where Uplift went, you know, they played some West Suburban teams, did some stuff. I think that was smart. You know, I think right. it comes down to the coaches if they want. I mean, Simeon, let's be honest, they're always putting a lot of new pieces together, you know, and maybe, you know, the, the extra weeks of practice are good for that. You know, with the transfers they're adding, trying to replace these things, maybe jumping into a game wouldn't be the best thing. But then, like you say, starting off with Whitney Young, <laughs> probably not the easiest way to go about it. Right. Like Morgan Park plays a game this week, right? They're going to play two. Well, yeah. From what I hear, I don't have a schedule or anything official. I haven't talked to Nick Irvin yet, but I hear they're going to play Bowen on Tuesday. I don't know where. I'm guessing at Morgan Park. I mean, at least they get a little bit of their kinks out before they have their showdown this weekend. But, um, you know, uh, uh, the Thanksgiving week, though, I mean, another one was Bogan, Mike. I mean, West Aurora and, and Rock Island aren't ranked. They're not expected to do big things this year, but they're still very solid basketball programs. And Bogan just ripped them both apart uh, on the road, out at Rock Island. Uh, so it's another public team to bring this up because of what you just mentioned. I mean, going and playing, you know, two well-coached teams like Rock Island and West Aurora on the road, away from home, out of the city, I, I just think does wonders for teams. And, and I think Bogan will, will really benefit from that. No doubt. A Marshall was another one. You know, they went out to Quincy, got a couple nice wins, and then lost to Quincy at Quincy by two points, which – you know, regardless of what is going on at Quincy, there's definitely no shame in that. And that's got to strengthen you for the rest of the year. Uh, my, my, um, my next big takeaway is a player. Um, kid I'd never heard of. I don't know if you had or not, Joe. Um, Seton Academy sophomore Javon Freeman. He was just something else to me. And it was one of those things. It was the second game of a six-game day. You're looking for something to really catch your eye. And it didn't take long. He's 6'4". He was playing kind of the small forward wing role for them, but sometimes he'd run the point. And I thought he was really talented at that, a real playmaker. You know, he's he's a good leaper. He's able to score. He had like, I don't know, like 12, 15 points or something, but like nine rebounds. It's too early in the season for me to keep assists well, but I know he had at least four. He's just the kind of, kind of kid that could do everything. I really think he's got a chance to be a high major player in the future. Uh, and Seton overall was very well coached. Justin Domingo, I think it's his second year there, has them playing a really fun kind of basketball to watch. You know, they're disciplined, but they do some really exciting, you know, up-tempo things. I really enjoyed them. They're one to watch. They've got a couple other young players that are good and some seniors who, who I think are a little bit underrated. They're going to make some noise in the Catholic League this year. And I'll go the other direction. You bring up a no-namer no one knows about. My one individual player is one we have talked about a lot, so we're not going to spend a lot of time, but Nick Rakosevich at St. Joe's, kudos to you, buddy, because you went out and really played some great basketball this week. Uh, he was assertive. He was focused. He competed and highly productive. And I, I just think because of the fact he is six foot eleven, and Mike, you've talked about it before, that uh, when he's playing at a high level, nobody else can throw that out there and you saw it at both ends of the floor the impact he had in St. Joe's winning that St. Charles East tournament 
and beating a couple of good teams along the way. I, I think Downers Grove South is going to be really good. I'm really confident with the preseason ranking that they have. Uh, I think they are got they have so many weapons. So St. Joe's took care of them. St. Joe's took care of a really solid St. Charles East team on the road. So I, I was impressed with St. Joe's. I, I had a lot of questions going into the season. I figured they would answer a lot of them, but I think they did answer quite a few earlier than I expected, particularly a point guard. Jason Towers is a really nice point guard uh, with some explosiveness. He's not Glenn Watson, but he is going to fill that role pretty nicely. The question I have about St. Joe's perimeter shooting, are they going to be able to knock down shots? But Rakosevich is going to open up a lot for other players throughout the course of the year just because he's going to just demand so much attention. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I was I thought Marquise Walker, the freshman, was nice. He was under control. Basically, I think the question was answered. Joe's has more than enough around Nick to have a really great season. And yet you said the guards, they were good. Marquise Walker can knock down some shots. They're gonna be tough to handle. And downers south, you could wow, you cannot be more right. The thing I loved about them, TJ Clifford really impressed me, but the passion. For any team I saw, I saw what, 12 games? So I saw 10 teams. No team came close to the level of intensity that Downers South had out there in that first game. They're yelling at each other. They're yelling at everybody. They're screaming after loose balls in the first minute of the season. And you know who the catalyst was? Is the game we haven't ta- name we haven't talked about. Uh, we, we've talked about uh, Dennis Albakovic. We talked about TJ Clifford, even Donovan Ferguson. Sam Ebersole, the, the yeah. point guard. Uh, he brings a lot of that. He, he impressed me, and um, I, I just think they got a ton of pieces. And, you know, that that the Western suburbs are not as strong as I think we've seen it, and it, they, have, they have a chance to really elevate themselves. Yeah, definitely. That's a team to go watch. If you're trying to figure out who to go watch on a Friday night, Downer South is one of the first ones I would circle. I think they were kind of even more fun to watch than St. Joseph's. Which, I uh, agree. <laughs> just saying a lot. No, I I, I totally agree, and um, you know I I just think that you know you look at another team in the Western suburbs, Mike, and they didn't play in the toughest Thanksgiving tournament, but Glenbard West going four and zero. The reason I bring that up is they're missing three players that are on that football yeah. team, and Justin Pierce had a eye popping week of basketball. He he, he put up big numbers. Uh, he's going to have that potential to carry that team, put a team on his shoulders. He's come so far, even from a year ago. Uh, he's a player that, that is worth getting out to see, and it's going to be interesting to see Glenbard West. You know, Now, all of a sudden, you look at that conference race, Oak Park River Forest struggles a little bit. Is Glenbard West got a chance for the first time in I don't know how many years to capture a conference, conference championship? Yeah, I'm going to go check them out this week against South Elgin, um, Wednesday or Thursday. I have not seen Maddie Smith yet. A little overdue on that, so I'm looking forward to checking those guys out. Um, my last takeaway was basically kind of a Marian Catholic-Evanston larger thoughts combo. Uh, Evanston played, you know, had a great week. Um, you know, Jell Eastern had some good games. He had a couple where he didn't play super great. Then they beat Notre Dame, which was maybe the biggest win of the week, I think. And they just, they're a team with a lot, a lot of positives to say about them. And they're definitely one of the top 10, maybe top five teams in the area, but they're just, they're not that great. You know, not, not to you down. You talking them. Evanston again? I'm talking Evanston. Yeah. And you did this all last year. 
Yeah, well, they're, they're, <laughs> but but now every oh, man. Well, what, what, what do they got to do for you? Well, if they win more games, didn't they lose like nine games last year? Ten? Yeah, with a boatload of sophomores. Yeah, my point here is that they're they're definitely one of the five best teams, seven best teams, whatever. But it's not the level is not high. They can lose on any given night, and I think Marion Catholic's there too, where they already did pick up their loss. They're super talented. I think they're more talented than Evanston, but they've got some head issues right now, some chemistry stuff. And I, it just, you know, to see two of these teams that are probably top five, top seven, and then I see them and I agree they're top five, top seven, but they're they're definitely have a lot of weaknesses and they could lose a conference game, I think, at any given time. I'll take that bet. They will not lose a conference game. In fact, what's the over-under on how many losses they have? Evanston? Yeah. Their, their schedule is brutal. Um, brutal what? They have a lot of difficult games. Yes, they do. Um, so they now could they, lose quite a few. Okay, well, how many? And, and still be a really good team. I mean, I would have to, I'd have to look at the schedule. I mean, five and a half over and under. Oh, over for sure. The only thing I don't know about is that Christmas tournament they're in. They're in some weird Christmas tournament, aren't they? King of the Bluegrass Holiday Classic. It's probably a loaded thing that Nojelly Eastern. I mean, they're going out to the Hoop Hall Classic. Yeah, they I play mean, Springfield. They, they've got a. They play at Loyola. They play Whitney Young. They play Ignatius. They play Simeon. I'm going to say five and a half. Oh, they play Morgan Park this weekend. They could lose nine games and still be a top four team. I think. I mean, all I know is. They have a difference-making player who makes people around them better in No Jell Eastern. They have one of the elite coaches in the state, uh, and they have pieces that I think they're going to buy into what Mike Ellis wants to do. And I just made a comment, again, on a piece I wrote yesterday. I think Niles, Notre Dame, Evanston will be playing again, and they'll be playing for a sectional championship uh, if the IHS doesn't tinker with stuff too much. But... Uh, in a 4A sectional final in March. I know that's a long way away, but I'm 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 char- I'm writing it down right now, in pen. All right. <laughs> um, but looking at your uh, top 25, Mike, a lot, a lot of what we expected, though. Yeah. Um, There's let's... gonna be. We should have done that in the beginning. I guess we could still do it. Is how many teams? And I, I don't think you said that you've ever kept track of how many teams no. had been in your top 25. You'd never done that, right? No. My guess was about 60 would have been the top. Really? That many? All oh, right. it changes out. Yeah. I, I try to bring new blood in. When in doubt, yeah. you be, I bring the new team in. And it goes on for, what, four or five months. So, yeah. it's Well, especially these first three weeks. Oh, I'm, yeah. I mean, we just did nine. Um, let's see. who uh, Out is um, North Chicago. Kind of lost to everybody. Knew that one was coming because they – their top three, top four guys are hurt. Niles West, who picked up a few losses. If you had to do a quick fix, which you can do, obviously, with the rankings, but and really quick, the most overrated team just by scores, maybe what you saw in your top preseason top 25. You know, I don't feel – that's kind of weird. I'd say nobody. I wasn't too surprised. They all have good excuses for why they lost. You know, I'm not – Niles West is with Octavius Parker – He's supposed to be back this week. Lincoln Way West was without most of the team. Um, I guess right. Iggy, St. Ignatius, they have no excuse. That that would be... Uh, that was my... Yeah. I, I'm shocked. At, they went one and three. Yeah. And they got f- three or four starters back. 
and with three years of varsity experience. So that was my biggest shock of the teams that are ranked um, by far. Yeah, and Brook, I'm not sure why they lost to both Decatur teams. Um, I, I kind of saw that. Come. I, I just think, like, they lost a ton. I think, I mean, potentially they're going to be good, I think, but they're playing young kids. They, they I mean, they lost. They D1 guys, though, don't they? Huh? They only have, like, three D1 players? Yeah, but, I mean, without one of them having ever played a varsity game for, for the most part. I mean, that, that takes time, man. I mean, I. It, it does, and it, it was on the road, but I mean, what does Decatur Eisenhower have? Well, that, 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 that's a little true. I don't know much about either one of the Decatur's. Uh, actually, they, a couple of them have a couple of individual players that are pretty good. But yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be like that way. I don't think it'll, you know, you'll kind of lock in about 15 teams by Christmas time that'll probably pretty much stay there all year long and then interchangeable, you know. 10 yeah. to 12. I'll tell you this. I've, I know this for sure. I have never had, never across the area have there been so few undefeated teams right now. It, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. I mean, that's why, like, De La Salle got into the rankings at 4-0. Vocational, who has not beaten anyone. They're 4-0, but it's a bad list of uh, four teams. So, But they're in because I know they do have some talent. I just I can't ever remember a year where, you know, I had a one-loss team this soon like down or south or HF, you know, up in the top 15. It's just been an absolutely already. It's been a of crazy like high week. level ranked teams. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of teams of nobodies with, that are undefeated. Yeah. Uh, but I don't necessarily buy into very many of them. So yeah, you're right. I mean, and I think it's going to be interesting when you look at the final rankings in March that you put together at the loss totals of all of the teams in the top 25. I'd be willing to bet there will be more losses among your top 25 in the loss column than any, well, I won't say any year, but arguably maybe the most losses of any year. There's no doubt. There's eight losses in the Super 25 already, and I got rid of the teams that lost a ton of games. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. It's uh, it's going to be fun. Um, All right, you want to hit some questions? Yeah. You got all, your, all right, let's do it. Uh, let's see. The first one is from Bobby Hawkinson. Well, I don't think he's asked us a question before. It's a pretty simple one that might not have a simple answer. Uh, who do you see winning the East Suburban Catholic? I don't know how many East Suburban Catholic teams you saw this week, Joe. I, I'm going to go with Niles Notre Dame. Uh, I mean, Bennett Academy it, it has kind of crept its way into the talk with Marion Catholic and Niles Notre Dame. But Niles Notre Dame gets Marion Catholic at home, has to uh, travel it's yeah. to Bennett. Uh, but I'm going to go with Niles Notre Dame. Hmm. I was going to go. Yeah, I think Marion Catholic's going to figure it out. I, I, Boy, when they put their five starters out there, it, they just they pass that look test, you know. Oh, they do. <laughs> like, no like you would not I mean, believe. They can go big. They can go small. Uh, they've got some d- depth. You know, they've got some guys that you don't even – I mean – Beyond the starting five, Mike, that can yeah. play. I mean, I, I'm going to go with Marion Catholic that they're going to figure it out and um, and, and win the East Suburban. But yeah, right about Bennett, boy. If you'd if you'd have told me a week ago that I was going to have Bennett in my rankings <laughs> right week two, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I had him ranked 35th. Uh, they lost some, you know, Colin Bonnet was it was a big loss. But if if you watched, if you lost, if you watched the summer shootout stuff though, uh-huh. which don't mean a whole lot. Bennett was always 
playing with people, beating people, winning tournaments. You know, at the end of the end of June, they won the Glenbardy shootout, beating all these teams. I mean, um, it, it or got to the final of that that, that event. So I mean, you, you could see that they were going to be very, very competitive and a solid basketball team. There is no, they are the least star-like quality bunch that they've ever had at Bennett. Um, well, in, in this run of really good teams, but you know, I I just. Kudos to Gene Heidkamp. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> wow, exactly. Because yeah. uh, they're going to be, you know, and, and, and be a nice addition. Obviously, last year at, at um, they made a nice little run at um, Pontiac. Pontiac, so yeah, Pontiac's going to be fun. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, second question uh, from Rennell Chapman. We got a couple here from him. He's you know our number one question asker, but a couple good ones. Um, Michael, I read your tweets during the football state finals about the possibility of huge crowd support in hoops if the IHSA moved the hoop state finals up north. I like the sound of that. Hypothetically speaking, if the state didn't have a venue for this season's finals in March and you had the power to choose, would you choose Champaign or up north and why? I'd like to hear Joe's input as well. Um, And yeah, I think this needs to be mentioned. I sat there for two days in uh, freezing, cold, horrible DeKalb and watched several thousand people come in and then leave, come in for every game and then leave after their game. You know, the football crowd is they come to watch those two teams and then they go. I I would love to know what the total was of ticket sales. It was high. I mean, the 4A or sorry, the the, uh, the, uh, 5A through 8A, the second day. I mean, there were some huge crowds. Glenbard West, Libertyville, Loyola. And then, you know, the whole stadium turned over, you know, every time. I I would like to know the comparison of the numbers between DeKalb and when they play in Champaign. Everyone just, that says that it's been way bigger at DeKalb. You know, I wasn't in Champaign. I don't know these numbers, but the reporters that watch. Um, but it I, makes sense. Yes. I mean, especially with what you just described. If you're going to one game and that's all you're going for, I can make a 45-minute trek out to DeKalb or a two-hour, two-hour-and-a-half drive to Champaign. I mean, you're going to lose a lot of your just casual, let's go support the local team and, and gain a lot of them when you're, when you're closer. It's just obvious. Now, you got to weigh that against, I guess. Now I'm going to basketball now. The atmosphere and, and and the the event. I mean, it's a different animal. Football. It's freezing cold. You want to get in and get out. Get out. Uh, basketball for decades and decades and decades has been a weekend event, until I guess recently when the crowds have just dwindled. But uh, you know, to answer that question real quick. I mean, if it stays south, I, I we we discussed this a ton last year on the podcast. Uh, I prefer it in Champaign over Peoria, but I am getting closer and closer to getting on board with the move to the Chicago area, particularly with DePaul's new arena. I don't want in some, I don't know, I don't want to rip all the arenas up here, but I don't like any of them. Uh, the college arenas, I, don't, I can't stand the Sears Center. I, I don't like any of them. I think they're cold. They're, yeah. But I will say, that that the Paul Arena looks really cool. I think the location is pretty good, and it's kind of silly to talk about because it's a five year contract at Peoria, I believe it's five years, and nothing's going to change. But I, I'm getting in five years from now. I wouldn't. I I, I was always hundred percent never bring it to Chicago. I'm like seventy thirty, uh, still against it. But it's getting closer to that fifty fifty. Maybe in five years, if the crowds still stink in Peoria and the atmosphere is still dead. Maybe I'll change. I'm far from a contract lawyer or any such thing, but there's no question that 
Caterpillar seems to have been the driving financial force between that kept the tournament in Peoria. Well, right. if you've been paying attention to the news, Caterpillar looks like they're pulling out of Peoria like you would not believe. Laying off thousands of people, things are not going well with Caterpillar. And it makes me wonder what influence that is going to have on definitely in five years, but maybe even in the meantime, if things change in Peoria. I think it's a situation worth watching for sure. A lot well, of really, I think really if Chicago stuff. really, really wanted it, they could put their best foot forward and really sell it and 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 do whatever it took to get it. I really believe that uh, with sponsorships, with all kinds of the arena, everything. But it would be the IHSA being willing to be an open to yeah. a complete change of everything about the state tournament if you were to make that move. And I, I don't know. I just don't see it. I don't see them ever going to Chicago. I mean, it just at this point – Anyone telling you that the crowds wouldn't be big, big, much, much bigger up here, I don't know what world they're living in. No, there's no question. I mean, it wouldn't even be there's, – there's, that's not even debatable anymore. And I, I agree with you that none of the venues currently up here are that exciting. However, I would say that Husky Stadium is also completely unexciting, and that didn't matter. Right, but again, it goes back to that one game – well, that's the way they are. It is now. You know, we're just hanging on to the past with this weekend stuff. That's gone since four classes. No, it is, but I, I, I'm just saying that there are still. I don't think there's. I shouldn't say there isn't. There's very few of those high school football fans that just go out there and, and spend a, a, the afternoon at. They would freeze to death if right. they stayed there uh, all. There all are day. still. I know you're saying there's not very many left, but there are still some, uh, a good chunk of super high school basketball fans that still make that pilgrimage every year. And I think they would. Make the pilgrimage north. Ugh, I don't personally. Um, I don't. You 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 would lose all of that. Like all the ones you lost in four classes. All right, you have a smaller number now. The remaining ones, I think you would almost extinguish them all <laughs> if you moved to Chicago. And then, but you would increase the local person that just wants to go and check out the game and the fan bases of the schools. Next question, uh, which we kind of hit on. A little bit. Um, what challenges do you believe basketball programs and their coaches face when the success of a school's football season in November overlaps the start of the basketball season? It's, I'll tell you one thing, Mount Carmel um, couldn't even get in their gym from what I hear to practice because Mount Carmel was in the prep bowl and they needed the gym for some reason. <laughs> so even if it wasn't, you know, players, and they were missing, Mount Carmel was missing like three players from the rotation, but sometimes even facilities you know, get tight when you're sharing things with the football team. So yeah, I'm sure there's tons of challenges we don't even know about. It's a mess in that regard, as well as just not being able to assemble and practice like you normally would. I think it's changed a little bit over the years compared to 15, 20 years ago. I think it was a, even a bigger deal because of the specialty in, in sports, uh, one sport athlete. Yeah. There, there's just not as many of those crossover athletes as there used to be. So that that kind of alleviates it a little bit, but yeah, it's a huge problem. It's it, it's you almost feel bad. I don't I don't know. I don't have a solution for. It. I mean, you can cut it back one week basketball, but you're still or football, you're still going to get hit a little bit by it. But by and large, you're not impacting a whole lot of school. I mean, there's not a ton of schools that are impacted by this. Uh, I mean, if you're knocked out by the second round of the playoffs, 
I mean, you're pretty much good to go. Yeah, we had more. This is probably the year more than ever. You think about ranked teams that went far in basket in football. You know, Crete Moni, Lincoln Way West. Um, I'm forgetting some others. Bradley Bourbonnet. Right. Um, Glenn Bard West. Glenn Bard West, yeah. Uh, Loyola, which isn't bad. But, yeah, there were – this year that seemed to be more than ever. Uh, I was running into some teams – not more than ever, but more than, like you said, in the last 10 years where it was an issue. Uh, and next, then the injury thing, that's the other part that you don't, you know, factor in. Um, there's, there's – every year there's teams, players that are nicked up or sitting out or out for weeks or whatever it might be because of a football injury. Next question from Mike Chamernick. Which player is the best trash talker you've ever heard in high school hoops? What was the meanest or funniest line you've ever overheard during a game? Mine. The, the meanest, funniest thing, real quick, was yeah. Evan Turner, Derek Rose matchup at Welsh Ryan Arena. It was, I think it was one versus two, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and also player-wise, they were the top two prospects. And Evan Turner, I think you jogged my memory, Mike, earlier when we were talking – left or at, at halftime said Derek Rose ain't bleep uh that w- w- that that instantly came to my mind when that question came up yeah it was great he didn't just like say it he turned around to the assembled <laughs> basketball media along the sideline and directed it right at us um I just looked up the story and then after the game he said I was better than Rose with me guarding him he didn't do much he knows that and I know that <laughs> Now this, that's that's <laughs> that's a lot of bravado for a high school kid. And this is back when Simeon players almost never talk to the media. They do it a lot more now. But I knew I had some gold on my hands, so I immediately texted that quote <laughs> to Simeon coach Robert Smith. And next thing I knew, I was invited to go meet Derek and Rob Smith behind the curtain <laughs> at Northwestern because they wanted a response. And this was Derek's response: "We both know who is better." He's just doing this to get a little bit of publicity. We'll see who does more on the next level. So the 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 uh, they both made it. So that's kind of cool. Both, yeah, they yeah. both did a whole lot at the college level. Uh, Derek's was short and Evans was a little longer, but and then obviously both the NBA. Fun stuff. My favorite um, was actually not during the game. It was before the game. I was sitting. Um, it was one of those CPS long, just long shootout days or something. And I was in the stands at Collins, which was North, is North Lawndale's home gym. And Jonathan Mills had come over. Um, I was talking with him. And I asked him what he thought about some player. I don't even remember who it was. My memory shot. And Jonathan Mills looked at me and he said, um, he isn't much. I'm going to put my bleep in his face today. <laughs> and about in the third quarter, he dunked and what he predicted happened. <laughs> And it was it was pretty cruel. Uh, Jonathan Mills is really good. Uh, Patrick Beverly did a lot of trash talking. Tim Flowers was one of my favorites. Um, like the Simeon thing I said about not being able to get player quotes. And I got really bored with, you know, just talking with Rob Smith, who was a good quote after the game. But, you know, you cover them so much when it was Rose and Flowers that Tim Flowers used to yell a lot of things during the game. And I would start to use those things occasionally as quotes. <laughs> in my story, like what he yelled at this guy or that guy. And Tim Flowers caught on about halfway through the season this was happening. So when he would see me over there, he would yell. I could tell what he thought could be in the story. And it was pretty hilarious to be communicating in that way. Um, so that that was nice. He, he was fun. But there's a lot of guys, a lot of guys in the CPS. A lot of guys, um, I've heard some Bennett, Bennett kids over the years. It's not just uh, CPS, the Kaminsky-Sobolewski team. Uh, definitely had some spirit, <laughs> shall we say. 
Um, but yeah, it's fun. I'll kind of try to keep a little bit better track of this during the year. You know, a clean, fun one was, I remember A.J. Romsa got into a lot, too. Oh, uh, yeah. A.J. Romsa a lot. He, he uh, had From to. the Whitney Young yeah. guard. <laughs> yeah. That little spunk of his. And uh, no, but, uh, you know, I, I think it. I think it's, um, would you say it's more now than it used to be? No. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I don't see it quite as much for whatever reason. Yeah, I think it's, um, you got to be close, too. And you got to be paying attention. A lot of times, you, the reporters can be further away, you know, in the stands or something. But um, let, let's move on here to the uh, Elite Classic preview. Yeah, this weekend, Mike, it's um, at UIC. Starts Friday night and then uh, goes all day Saturday. And I just found out yesterday uh, there will be an added game at 11 a.m. <laughs> Beasley will take on Ariel. <laughs> I walked into that yesterday. A grammar yeah. school game at 11 a.m. So. I walked into a Beasley game. I got there. The, the Team Rose Classic started late because Beasley against somebody <laughs> was going long. Well, yeah, that's, that's So great. they will tip things off uh, on Saturday morning. Two of the top grammar school teams. So, uh, But, no, I mean, I, it's, you know, I, I hope there's an atmosphere. I hope there's a really good crowd. I hope they come out because it just only adds to it. Uh, we'll see. You know, I, I I think there's a couple of fantastic uh, local games. I mean, the big the big draw, the big attraction individually is J, uh, Jason Tatum from Chaminade Prep down in St. Louis. He's going to Duke. He's six eight. He's a one and done type talent. You know, we don't have that type of player in Illinois this year, and he is that guy. So he'll be playing. Um, but it's two out-of-state teams sandwiched in between two great Illinois games on Saturday night. And those two Illinois games, which I think are the, 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 the highlight of the event, Evanston will take on Morgan Park at 5.30 Saturday night, then the Chaminade-Miller Grove game at 7, followed by the season opener for both Young and Simeon at 8.30. To me, uh, those are the two best games of the, of the event. And I, you know, Morgan Park, your number one, Morgan Park, my number two, and then Evanston is a, you know, consensus top, top 10 team. That's going to be a good one. Yeah, no doubt about that one. And this, um, there's a huge high school basketball fan I know that has avoided this event, like the plague, because of the out-of-state teams. And he's going to make his first ever appearance on Saturday. That's how strong the Morgan Park, Evanston, Simeon, Whitney Young draw was so that has to be a pretty good sign i think for the elite classic they're bringing in some of the people who have been kind of opposed to it ahead of time it is a shame that the friday night slate has taken it on the chin a little bit with the oak park river forest picking up two losses early that's still a really it's oak park against fenwick it's right it's a rivalry game yeah. 6 p.m game it's going to bring those local a lot of oak park people out and it'll be a fun one and last year was a fun one yeah and i'm a little scared about marion catholic they better figure stuff out quick um with modern yeah day. i mean modern that's yeah. a big chance i think the biggest challenge and i'm writing about this this week the biggest challenge for an out of or for an in-state team against is going to be riverside brookfield they play uh gonzaga college prep uh college uh, Washington D.C. That's they, they are nationally ranked. That's going to be a, a a tough one. And then, you especially, know, especially let me on that one. Riverside Brookfield admitted that they thought the college court played an in had a big impact on them getting killed by Stevenson. 
mm-hmm. you know, in that super sectional. This is not, RB is not a team that plays a lot of games, you know, on college courts, and that's going to be the case. So a ton of talent and that bigger court they struggled with last year. A lot of these same kids. So yeah, that's going to be tough. And those people going out there looking at the out-of-state teams, DeMatha Catholic, which everybody's heard of out of Hyattsville, Maryland, they have the best one-two punch of any team here. They got two kids, high-level kids, Markel Fultz, a senior, who's one of the top 20 players in the country, and then DJ Harvey is one of the top 20 juniors in the country. So, uh, But again, that that's probably the least interesting game of them all as DeMatha plays St. Vincent St. Mary out of Akron, Ohio. Evanston, Morgan Park, you picking somebody, Mike? Who are you picking? Morgan Park. Okay, I'll I'll go with Morgan Park. Yeah. Um, again, I, I if Morgan Park if that was Morgan Park's first game, I'd have a little bit of a. I hope they get one game in before, and then Whitney Young Simeon is. I know I've got Young ranked much higher. I don't think they are going to be quite ready for this game at this juncture because of the young players. A lot of them will be playing their first varsity game um so i i like simeon on that one i um i have a fear <laughs> of saturday that morgan park and simeon are gonna look really really good and they're gonna win both of those games by a significant margin and all of a sudden it's gonna look like it's morgan park in 3a simeon in 4a and then the entire rest of the area kind of plugging along below them yeah i i just i i continue to it's hard for me to take too much stock in that just because I don't think, and we talked about this before, I don't think any of these teams are world beaters that I would be shocked if I walked away from whether it be this coming weekend or holiday tournament time at Christmas thinking, okay, these, these two teams are juggernauts or this team's a juggernaut. I just don't see that in this team. Now, are we going to say that because of the, the rest of the class of high school basketball. Exactly. Yeah, that's what. Uh, I think. That might be a, a different matter, but again, I still think I'll be su- I'll be surprised if we ever are at the point where no one's beating this team. I and mean, maybe Fenwick can come out and you know really look impressive Friday night. You know that that would be nice to see. They've obviously started the season well, not against the best competition, <clears throat> but that could add to um you know as if Fenwick kept up there. And I haven't seen Kenwood yet. They got a big match, a big match, a big game this week against Vocational. They are at Vocational. Oh, that's Hyde Park Vocational. Who does Kenwood play? Oh, LFA, Lake Forest Academy, I think. Um, Which uplift beat. But it was cl- really close. Yeah. Um by the it, way, real quick. That that's my player of the week. Uh Demaris Jacobs, Mike from Uplift. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I don't know how much you've seen of him. Very little people saw of him last year. Yeah, that's small. It. You know, they, they lost all five starters, and I just I liked that uplift team because of him. I think he is a a a star in waiting. I think he's going to be a big time college prospect. He had a monster five games, MVP of the Moneyline tournament, average twenty four a game. Uh, just because we brought uplift up there, but back to the class. They almost made it into the rankings. I almost shoved uplift in there. Yeah. Um, uh, but real quick, Simeon, right now, December 1st, 2015, this team going forward, if you can re, if you go back and think of how you felt about Simeon 2014 on December 1st, which Simeon team did you like better? Last year, December 1st, or this year, December 1st? Last year. I did too, just because of Ed Morrow. Exactly. That, that's just an unquantifiable 
And then you think about how good Stevenson was last year. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting at. I'm, I'm just these teams this year. I, I just don't see us having that high level team that is just going to make us walk away thinking, okay, no, no one's touching these guys. We will find out very shortly. One last thing before we go away, we, we should mention the Hinsdale South a win over Stevenson because Hinsdale South did not get a lot of attention in the preseason, especially for me. I just didn't believe too much in their supporting cast around Barrett Benson, but Barrett Benson put in one heck of a first week and he's elevated that whole team. It looks like, you know, they've found some good pieces around him. That's a nice win over Stevenson and they are off to a, a, a pretty good start, a three and one start on the year Hinsdale South. And, and that's why if you're six ten, and you're six eleven, you should be dominating the high school. I, mean, I, I know it doesn't always happen, but your senior year and, and Barrett Benson, the second half of last season had a, some big yeah. numbers, big time production, which it's is just, why you know, him. it's high school basketball. So the guards, you know, that's why they didn't make the rankings to me. You know, if I don't have faith in at least one of your guards, well, they went tough. out. I mean, Glenbard West took them out. They, they um, did. Yeah. So, but, uh, that's going to wrap this up. We're going to head next week. We'll have, we'll review that Chicago elite classic. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.